65 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. We're kicking it old school tonight, Jerry Burris. Just me and you as we talk about all things fantasy football and NFL. Heading, heading into week four of the NFL preseason, we are a mere week away from real NFL action as the Super Bowl champion Patriots defend their fourth, fifth Super Bowl uh, against the One for the Kansas, thumb. Right, against the Kansas City Chiefs next Thursday. Uh, Jerry, we finished up our fantasy football draft for the league from the Ville. Uh, 21 years running. This is a nice 14-team PPR draft. And you know, after all the dust has settled, some picks look great, some not so much. But we're going to talk about those tonight as well as some injuries and some suspension talk. uh, That's pretty important as we get to the tail end of the draft season for fantasy football. So uh, how do you feel uh, so far about squads? I'll I'll say this. One thing about our draft, you know, it's 21 years we've been doing this league. And uh, one thing is for sure, uh, our league definitely isn't getting any prettier. Um, And it's the this is the fastest draft we've ever had. Um, Just under three hours. Um, with 14 guys and one uh, online. Normally this thing takes at least five and a half and usually either ends at a fist fight at the end or <laughs> we all just leave because we can't deal with um, uh, Zustin anymore, either one. Right. Sometimes they go at each other and uh, right. makes for some great comedy. But this one was tight. It was it was, it was paced well. You know, The commission well, did a, a good lot, job. A lot of, lot of controversy with, with this draft being held on a Sunday. So there couldn't yes. be any legitimate uh, penalties for drafting a player. Uh, after he's already been taken, like for example, when Chad Jones tried to take Le'Veon Bell seventh overall, shocking. And when old Russ Phillips took him second, usually they get iced in that sense where they have to chug a smear off ice. But with it being Sunday, with us being responsible adults, uh, unfortunately nobody was penalized. So I think that was a big reason why uh, the draft went about two hours quicker than usual. Yeah, I, having been the victim, or not the victim, but the, the I guess the de- defendant in the, that crime uh, multiple times. It usually lasts about 10 to 15 minutes of ridicule and, and penance to make up for what you did. And this year, no, we just kept moving. And, you know, a nice tight three hours is now going to be the standard um, for a Sunday morning draft. Kind of felt like we were at church. Um, There's some donuts and coffee laid out instead of normally, you know, six or seven different bottles of Fireball or whatever crap whiskey <laughs> Schillig brings. Um, so. It's a different experience, but you know, I would say, how many of us are fathers now? It's it's this isn't you know in Joe Archer's garage, that's for sure. Well, but that's but that's exactly. I mean, fantasy football allows the adult human male to be irresponsible for a few hours, and when we're just sitting around like that scene from um, um, uh, This Is Forty when he has to lie <laughs> about going to his fantasy baseball draft, and and they're all just like still wearing their their friggin' three piece suit from work the day that, of that day, you know. I, I like the immaturity of a Saturday draft. You get a little loose, right? And then you head out to like the barley house for the night and celebrate your draft and talk and smack to all your your fellow uh, your fellow league mates and 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 continuing the icing um, while looking like those immature human beings that we it, are. It used to feel like a once a year bachelor party for everybody, and we all right. were, and right. we all were the uh, the groomsmen. You know, it yep. really felt that way. But this year it was definitely a little more subdued. You know, we got together Saturday. Um, you know, you flew in, which was awesome. Um, you know, shout out to your wife for that because she, you know, had to watch the kid. Uh, my wife let me, gave me the pass for the night, and uh, we had a great time. Right. 
Well, let's talk about we're, we're done talking about our league for now. Uh, we'll get back to some of the picks that were great and some that were terrible. Maybe talk about our team's boast a little bit. But uh, I think we first need to lead off with the the whole cloud of mystery that's going on with this Ezekiel Elliott suspension. Right. Uh, we're, we're recording Wednesday night. The, the last day of appeal will be Thursday. And so, you know, unfortunately, we don't have all the information now, but once it breaks, we'll be sure to tweet it out at our Twitter handle at Glory Podcast. But, Jerry, right now, it's actually uh, very reminiscent of the initial uh, deflate gate uh, appeal that Tom Brady had, where he actually was supposed to be suspended for the whole two thousand or the first four games of 2015. But the suspension got pushed back to 2016 because of the appeals. Now, obviously, there's some precedent set, but. It seems like that owners, fantasy football owners that took Ezekiel Elliott in the second round or third round might actually be lucking out here because if they keep on pushing this appeal, there's a chance that Zeke can play the first four games of the season and possibly not see a suspension until next season. So, you know, Farkey took him in the second round of our draft this year. It was a mid-second round pick. I mean, with what's going on now, with what we know today right now, do you think that Zeke Elliott's still a pretty good value in the second or third round of fantasy drafts? I feel like if you had taken him, you know, in a draft that happened two weeks uh, prior to ours, you would have been in a in a world of hurt. Um, you're kind of reaching there, but what's really helped the case um, for having Zeke on your team is delaying and delaying and delaying this thing. You know, so if you're your type of league that drafts on, you know, like this Thursday or maybe even this Sunday after all the preseason hoopla is kind of over with, then you can really get a better picture. Cause if we still are in delay mode on Thursday, when they're supposed to be announcing this thing, it seems like that's going to benefit Zeke in getting mm-hmm. to play this year. Um, and, possibly even not even having to miss a game in uh, 2017. So I, I don't think what Farkey did was wrong. I, I think it's kind of the right spot. I, he's not a first-round pick, obviously, and if he slips you in the third, you know, I think you have to snag him. Right. Well, unfortunately for uh, our good friend Chad Jones, who took this player in the fourth round, uh, the injury bug hit this guy week three actually hit a bunch of players in week three yeah uh, that that were pretty prominent in fantasy football drafts and we're going to start with julian edelman close near and dear to my heart super bowl champion uh made that jules, amazing catch right? jules. jules yes jules he goes by jules um <sighs> torn acl out for the season if you saw the non-contact injury it would look nasty uh, just the knee buckled in, and he's been a huge part of that Patriots offense for the past few years, and it's going to be a major loss for the Pats, but obviously they are always stacked on the offensive side of the ball, but I want to know who you think is the biggest benefactor from Julian Edelman going down with a season-ending injury. My immediate reaction is uh, is Hogan. I think Hogan's going to be the guy who steps in and, and can fill the role as both a slot guy and an outside guy. In in their offense, McDaniel's doesn't let one guy line up in one position. Um, you know, whether you're a tight end that is attached or can split out to the outside receiver, you have to be able to play multiple positions. Sometimes you're in the backfield one play, and you know, a guy like Deion Lewis or James White could be in the slot. So that's my immediate reaction. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I agree that Chris Hogan is definitely going to get a bump up in value. Uh, and, and, and part of it's probably because in the same game he had two touchdowns and looked great and had a great rapport with Tom Brady. But I really think that Danny Amendola is a player that's going to see his value go from absolutely zilch to 
uh, a back-end wide receiver three, maybe even a wide receiver four in PBR leagues. They've kept Amendola around. He keeps on taking uh, salary cuts to, to continue to be a Patriot. And I think that any – and also any time that Edelman has gone down with injury, it's always been Edelman who's man the slot. So, you know, layman's terms – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the guy that we can't forget is Brandon Cooks. Now Brandon Cooks has got to be – uh, a larger part of the the percentage of of touches for that offense. I mean, you think so? I, I yeah. mean, he's obviously going to be the deeper threat. Um, and then um, Jules was going to work underneath. I'm going to keep calling him Jules like he's my neighbor or something. By the way, Amendola, Amendola. No, no, I'm Jules. talking talking uh, Jules uh, before he got hurt. He was going to be the underneath oh, right. guy while Cooks was over the top. And now um, we'll call him Dan. Dan, because we're all <laughs> close and personal. Uh, Dan's going to be the guy working that um, underneath stuff. So, well, it's interesting, though. Maybe not, though, because remember, we have a healthy Gronk as well. And and whenever Gronk and Edelman are on the field together, both 100% healthy, which is very rare, um, usually it's Gronk who is being force-fed the targets. So, again, I, I still think Amendola is going to go from having zero fantasy value to some fantasy value. But it's really, I think Gronk is going to get the bulk of the 160 targets that uh, Edelman had last season. So, either way... I, I think if you're you're going to be overdrafting Chris Hogan a little bit uh, at the back end of your drafts, you can go after Danny Amendola. Gronk is now a sure bet in the second round. So is Brandon Cooks. I took Brandon Cooks in our draft to the end of the second. I feel fantastic about that now. I think that he has a really good chance to to put up top eight top eight receiver numbers. Our our listeners will soon find out how heavily invested you are in the uh, the, the Patriots this year, and you typically are not. <laughs> But this year, right. you, you poured the whole thing right on top of your head, and you just went was away. was a little bit tipsy from the night before, I think, and a I, little cloudy. You know, I uh, to spoiler alert, I saw Tom Brady sitting there at third third round. I was like, I got to do it, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I want to talk about another receiver who unfortunately tore his ACL, nasty looking injuries, ACL and MCL injury. Up and coming receiver for the Bears, Cameron Meredith. Had a pretty solid season last year. Was slated for wide receiver one duties for the Bears. Fantasy-wise, I mean, he's probably nothing more than a wide receiver three, more boom or bust. But now that he's out for the season, there's a couple guys that are going to step up in Chicago. This is literally going to be like throwing a, a dart at a dartboard on who is going to be the number one receiver in Chicago. But with Cameron Meredith out, Jerry, who do you think has a good shot of stepping up and giving fantasy football value this year? At that level, you're looking at guys like, you know, Kevin White comes to mind. I think Kevin White's finally going to have a season where uh, fantasy owners are paid off from from waiting on him. I know I had him in his rookie year and, and got zilch out of him and, and had to drop him by, like, week four or five. Um, he's a guy that interests me. I think um, Marcus Wheaton from the Pittsburgh Steelers is a guy that has got some fantasy value in that, you know, f- wide receiver four spot, maybe even wide receiver three if you really need somebody. But – other than that, I'm not sure if I can find a comp um, without getting too deep into uh, guys that are a little bit older. Um, yeah, you know, it's a little bit more in their twilight of their career. I'm I'm a fan of Kendall Wright to be honest. Uh, I, I liked him in Tennessee a few years ago. Something happened between him and the coaching staff there where they just simply didn't like him because there's absolutely no reason with a guy of his talent who had a I think he had a hundred catch season a few years ago or pretty close to it why he wasn't on the field more often when the starting wide receivers there were Tajay Sharp and um, Richard Matthews right and the guy's so, been through how many offensive coordinators in the past like right. five years too yep. Yep, so I think Kendall Wright's uh, probably my, my favorite option there. Zach Miller, the tight end, is going to get a bump as well. 
Uh, and, and to your point about Kevin White, I, I read something from a beat reporter that he looked like he was running like an offensive lineman. So I'm curious if those lower leg injuries have maybe sapped some of his just burst and his explosiveness, and, and maybe he's just not the player that he used to be. And and this is going to be finally a good year and a good test for all those that that um, took it's a him shot and like on a like, Yeah, like Brashard Perriman. He's another right. guy. We still are waiting for him <laughs> yep. to do something. Yep. This is both their years, and, and Rashad Perriman's banged up in camp, and Kevin White, we'll see what he's going to do. I mean, again, th- these guys are finally getting to get a shot. And unfortunately, UMass Amherst's finest, Victor Cruz, he's a Chicago Bear technically, but it doesn't look like he's going to make the 53-man roster, which is too bad. Uh, he, again, that, that uh, torn patella tendon has just – and the calf injuries have just pretty much taken – all of his elite athleticism away from him, unfortunately, and it looks like his career is is almost over. He'll be on the Browns. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Late pickup. Um, Jerry, your fourth round pick, unfortunately, Taurus PCL. Yeah. However, you did take his backup in the seventh round. Very smart of you. Very Nostradamus like of you. Very unburris like move. I took yeah. a handcuff <laughs> to one of my starting tailbacks. Right, and, Kareem uh, uh, Spencer Ware, torn PCL. And I mean. I was never high on Kareem Hunt. You took him in the fourth round. I told you to take Bilal Powell. I told you to take your name. No, I took Spencer Ware in the fourth. I'm sorry. Spencer Ware, my bad. Spencer yeah. Ware in the fourth. I told you to take Bilal Powell, your, your namesake, and you didn't. And this is what happens. Uh, but then again, I'm sure you wouldn't have taken Kareem Hunt in the seventh. However, you know, Kareem Hunt, Andy Reid has already said that he's a starting running back. So now he's thrusted into that role. What do you expect from Kareem Hunt day one? Well, like you said, he is RB1. Um, I expect him to be just doing the exact same things we saw with a guy like Chuck Hendrick West and then Spencer Ware. He's going to get passes. He's going to get touches. They don't use a lot of tailbacks in the in the uh, pass protection game there. They like to do you know the quick dump-offs if there's uh, overload blitzes and stuff, so he's going to get a lot of the dump-off catches. But I think he's a little thicker than the guys that they've been used to having, like Jamal Charles. So he can run between the tackles and get more vertical yards uh, instead of trying to get so much east-west. They got a guy like Tree Kill outside that can take the cap off, um, you know, down the field. So he's going to take care of, uh, you know, staying between the tackles, getting four, five, six, what he can, moving the chains, and and going from there. Screen game will be a big part of it as well. Yeah, uh, and so if you had to draft today. Uh, we're redrafting Knowing now. what I know now. Right. Um, where are you, where, <laughs> where are you going to take uh, Kareem Hunt in the draft? I think he jumps up into a possible third-round pick. Um, he's not going to jump guys. You know, I don't think he jumps a Gurley uh, or even a DeMarco Murray. But, um, you know, would you rather have Kareem Hunt or McCaffrey right now as a rookie tailback? That's that's a great question. I think I would probably lean towards Kareem Hunt because you know he's going to be getting the early down carries. And would you take I, now? Here's the other qu- question: Was would you re- of these three guys would you rather have Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, or like Crowell? Uh, well, how, let's 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 flip it. How about Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook, or Leonard Fournette? Let's talk and or Joe Mixon. Let's talk those four rookie running backs because that continues to change. At first, it was just the the big three. Um, and now I'm sorry, the big four, and now all of a sudden Kareem Hunt's in there. Um, you know, r- for rookie running backs, I th- I'm well, leaning. Here's I'm leaning a- towards Leonard Fournette. I think I, I'm still leaning towards Fournette. I think that he's got the most talent out of that crew. I understand he doesn't catch balls. He's on a bad team. And how uh, bad but, is his offensive line? Like they've yeah. had a really poor preseason. I thought they they have. It has not been it has not been pretty. Um, 
But I just still think he's got the most talent of the bunch. However, as we've seen with Todd Gurley, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, the situation outweighs the talent. Uh, Dalvin Cook looked really good at first catching a ton right. of balls, but that that Minnesota offense line looks terrible. Yeah. And they can't get anything done either. So I'm afraid that he's going to be running into a stone wall all the time, too. So, you know, maybe I'm talking myself out of both those guys and Kareem Hunt's jumping up, but. In the end, Kareem Hunt is in the best situation. You mentioned Charkandrick West, who flashed at times last year. You mentioned Spencer Ware, who looked really good at times last year. You know, I I was not very high on Spencer Ware because he tailed off towards the end of the season. He started off great, finished terribly. Um, But, you know, the problem with Kareem Hunt, and everybody's freaking out about this, is what if he's Devontae Booker 2.0? Last year when C.J. Anderson got hurt, Devontae Booker stepped in. Everybody thought that he was going to be the difference maker, win a ton of leagues for people, and he did absolutely nothing. So I think you have to kind of keep down the back of your mind. Let's temper expectations a little bit. Uh, You know, two nights ago I had a draft, and Kareem Hunt went second pick in the fifth round in a 12-team league. I think that's pretty pretty right where he's going to be. Fourth, fifth round in in our league, that's a late third-round pick, give or take. I think that's a pretty fair value for him. I wouldn't go crazy for him. But he, you know, he could end up being one of those guys that that could potentially win a league for you if you get your RB one in the fourth, fifth round. But they just added another piece of the Chiefs today by uh, adding the Browns tackle Cam Irving. I mean, that offensive line <laughs> is stout now. My God, good, good lot going on, lot going on the Browns today. Lot yeah. the, the Joe busy, Hayden, busy uh, day. Cut. Yeah, so uh, always, always interesting Cleveland and Berea. Um, but and speaking of Cleveland. All right, let's kick it over. Let's talk about our drafts a little bit. Obviously, we mentioned 21st year. This this draft used to be done out of Mark's locker back in middle school. I'm sure there was no shady business going on back then. No, never. Yeah, especially I never forget when I tried to pick up Sean Alexander once. He's like, nope, nope, I already got him. I already had him. And, and shocking, though, that's back when he used to win the league, and it's been, it's been about 12, 13 years since he's won last. So. It's back in the analog uh, days. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, I want to talk about round one real quick. Very interesting. In round one, eight wide receivers, six running backs to- uh, taken. You know, this is actually, I feel like, a lot of running backs or wide receivers, considering that we're a quarter point per carry league. We're obviously starting to see the trend that wide receivers are king in the league uh, or in early rounds of drafts, and running backs are kind of falling by the wayside now that we're seeing more running back by committee. But David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell at one two is as expected. I picked Antonio Brown three. Odell Beckham went four. This was before the ankle injury, uh, but I still think Beckham will go four today. Julio Jones five, and then we had a little bit of a running back run. Lashawn McCoy, Jay Ajayi, um, very early for Ajayi. I thought. I thought I seventh overall was was extremely early for uh, a boomer bust guy last year. Who I think Chad Jones about. just wanted to pronounce his last name. <laughs> you just want to say it in public. Uh, Mike Evans, eight. Devontae Freeman, nine. Melvin Gordon, ten. I think Freeman and Gordon are, are fantastic first-round picks right in that area. Uh, and then finish the round with A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper. Again, the, the A.J. Green, the Jordy Nelson, I, I really love those picks as well. I, I think looking at this again, End of the first round is not a really bad place to be this year. Obviously, you're not going to get that running back stud, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, but you're going to get a wide receiver that could score almost as many points as them. So is there any surprises, any picks you really liked in the first round? Um, I like the combination that was done with Jordy Nelson and T.Y. Hilton. 
Um, you're getting two number one guys for teams that force feed their number one receivers the ball. Um, I thought those two, you know, lock down your, your two receivers and then go from there. I thought that was the best one-two combo um, of the back end of the first round draft. You know, on the snake. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one, Jared. Okay. Um, I I do not like T. Y. Hilton in the second round because of the the what's going on with Andrew Luck's shoulder. I mean, if Scott Tolzien is the quarterback for four or five weeks, I do not like T. Y. Hilton as a second round pick. But don't you, know, you but think then it, if that's the case, if Tolzien's the the quarterback, don't you think he's going to be force feeding the ball to T. Y. Hilton? I mean, he really still think- he. He's still Scott Tolzien. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can, yeah, you can he's have, a big, tall quarterback. You know, that's, that's not, but reminiscent that's not good of at football. That's the problem. Oh, the, <laughs> he can turn around and hand the ball off at the best of them. <laughs> that, that ain't going to help T. Y. Hilton unless he plays running back. Uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, they're going to force feed the number one, but T. Y. Hilton's a deep ball guy. Uh, led the NFL in receiving yards last year. I just was if Scott Tolzien is the quarterback for the first four weeks, I would be shocked if he had anything more than. 300 total yards and more than two touchdowns. That that offense is going to be a mess with Tolzien at quarterback. Now, what they have going for them is they didn't bring in a veteran to take away reps from Tolzien. So it's only been him. And that's why I'm not, you know, everybody on Twitter is freaking out about Andrew Luck's health and saying he's going to be out for, you know, five, six, seven weeks. If he was going to be out that long, I understand that the, the Jim Irsay is a pill-popping lunatic. But... <laughs> If Luck was going to be out for a long period of time, they would have brought in a veteran quarterback. Who? I don't know, but they would have brought in somebody other than Scott Tolzien. They'd need it just for depth purposes. So I think Luck's going to be there. To your point, if Luck's out for one, two weeks, then I like the T.Y. Hilton pick. If he's out for longer, I don't. Then who is your favorite of the first-round pick? First round pick, I'd say probably A.J. Green at 11. I expected him to probably go around 7 or 8. I think that he is last year before he got hurt, he was probably the best fantasy football wide receiver. And I see no reason why he can't do that again. I know they brought in John Ross. I know they have Joe Mixon there now, but Cincinnati's still going to chuck it. Their game plan is throwing the ball to AJ green and nothing's going to change with that. Um, but a, a pick I did not like in the second round and I, I'm back and forth on it. I really don't know why I didn't love it, but I just I don't trust Doug Baldwin. I don't. I never have. Never will. For some reason, he, so he went tenth uh, pick in the second round. For some reason, I just I know he was put up numbers the past two years. He's been solid. He's a, the de facto no questions asked number one wide receiver in Seattle. But I just don't like him. I mean, do you, do you trust Doug Baldwin? Because I don't. I don't. I don't think I have the, the level of hate that you have. Um... It's just hard to say. I think that this Seattle wide receiver is going to stand out because of X, Y, Z. You know, that's not an offense based on. You know, we're force feeding a number one guy like they do in Dallas to Des Bryant. It seems like everything's based off of play action. You know, very little true five step protection. You know, force the ball down the field to a guy. And they got a lot of guys that can do a lot of the same things. Like, what what's so different between him and Lockett? Um, going down downfield, you know, Lockett's a little bit faster, but he's also a little bit smaller. It just when you think of true number one stud receivers, do you ever picture Doug Baldwin in your head? No. No, no. I don't either. So But then he uh, but then he produces because but he always like, does. Right. He and this is why does. 
And this is why uh, Zustin Brothers, I was so keen on wanting to talk about the Seattle running backs because that offense is so predicated on on play action. And if you have a great running game, then, you know, obviously the, the wideouts benefit from that. But we're not going to talk about Seattle running backs tonight because I don't want to hear. No, that's, a, that's a Brothers. topic that was uh, <laughs> broached many times. Right. But I did take Eddie Lacy. Uh, in what round did I take him? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I took eight him rounds, eighth round, twelfth pick, eight eighth round, <laughs> end of the eighth round. So I, I put my money where my mouth is, kind of. Um, a player you took on the top of the third round, which yes. got some geos. controversial, <laughs> very controversial. Uh, and I'm not Elton sure why Jeffrey. it was controversial, but I think it was just Sean wanted to boo, and he needed a reason <laughs> to do so, and I took the bullet for him. So I, I, here's my take on Alshon Jeffrey. And when I took it, I didn't love it, but then I, I'm glad I did the research that I did after the fact um, because I even myself was unsure between him and Terrell Pryor um, at the time. But if you looked at the average draft position um, for wide receivers in a PPR league, he was going wide receiver 17, and I took him at wide receiver 16. Um, so there's one one of my things. And then the other thing I, I – came across that I kind of liked was we found out that that nobody threw more passes in the second half of last season than Carson Wentz. That offense is going to chuck it to somebody, and they might as well chuck it to him. He's got potential to be a number one wide receiver again. He's got a little bit of an injury bug the last few seasons, but I think if if anybody's going to explode for them, it's going to be him. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be Nelson Aguilar or you know somebody like that. I think it's going to be Alshon Jeffrey. No, and I get that. It's just Alshon Jeffrey has burned fantasy owners. He's hateable. Few years. He's very hateable. He, he is. But with, with lower body injuries, he, soft tissue injuries that he just does not come back from quickly. Signed a one-year deal with Philadelphia, more of a prove-it deal. The talent is there. Don't, don't get me wrong. The talent is absolutely there. He, he could absolutely be a top 10 wide receiver this year. It's just there's been so much that he's done in the past few years that I feel like you say Alshon Jeffrey, you kind of like shake a little bit because you think of all the bad times. But – I got to say, my favorite moment of the draft was the absolute disgust in Sean Zustin taking his third round pick because he took Allen Robinson 11th in the third round. And as he said it, I feel like he almost threw up a little bit in his mouth. It was just one of those Allen Robinson. Again, I had my draft, another draft a few nights ago. And he kept, he was there in the third round. He was there in the fourth round. And then finally somebody took him in the fifth round. And you're saying to yourself, like, at what point is Allen Robinson a good pick? And not in the third round. Not in the third round. I could say maybe the fourth round. It it feels okay. Like, because he did it a few years ago at Blake Bortles. Just last year was terrible. It was two years of Mirage or was was last year the norm? I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's more of a 75-catch, 1,100-yard, seven-touchdown guy. Can Blake Bortles be that type of quarterback for Allen Robinson? Can Blake Bortles be a quarterback? <laughs> I, I mean, he gave up a chance to, to take Golden Tate um, and Larry Fitz and Jameson Crowder at that spot. So yeah. um, so just don't know. Let's just say you don't even know what round it is, and I give you those four receivers. Who are you taking? Is <laughs> Allen Robinson number one out of those four? I mean, probably not, but who has the most upside? Allen Robinson does. You know, Golden Tate, you know what you're going to get from him. 100 yard, maybe 100 catches, 1,100 yards, six, seven touchdowns, maybe. I, if you're lucky I, to get don't, I don't agree. I don't think Allen Robinson has big upside. We, but we, we already saw his upside, though. 
I mean, we, we've seen him have a dominant top five wide receiver year with the same quarterback. So in the, unless, in, in the unless, losing, you know, in losing games at the end of the game, they're still going to be losing anyways with the Jaguars. They suck. I mean, I know you love the Jaguars D and you love the AFC South, but the Jaguars just aren't a good football team. I, any I, way you slice first it. First of all, how dare you put words in my mouth that I like the Jaguars in any way, shape, or form. I, I may do more research on the AFC South than is ever run needed the tape, for anybody. Run the tape from the last year Pick'em episode, and I, we're pretty sure that you like the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Well, yes, I did pick them last year. I thought their defense was going to be a little <laughs> more, more stout, but they didn't get a lot of help on the other side of the ball. Yeah. Well, so okay, so in the in the third round, so I mean, Allen Robinson, I think he has upside. I get your point though with Golden Tate and Larry Fitzgerald; they're both hundred catch candidates. How much will they get in the end zone is the real question. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it. All, I think it really all depends on if you already have a wide receiver at that point. If you have a stud wide receiver one, maybe you go with Larry Fitzgerald or Golden Tate as your wide receiver two instead of hoping for the upside of Allen Robinson as your wide receiver one. He but, did. Already, he did already take uh, AJ Green, so it's not like he was taking him as his first, you know, wide so receiver. So that that helps. That helps. Yes. Um, but in the third round, I saw two picks that I really liked. One very near and dear to my heart was one Thomas the Goat Brady. I took him in the third round, and we'll talk about that in a second. Nice pick by me. <laughs> the other pick I really liked was Martavis Bryant in the third round. The guy looks friggin' yoked right now. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him compared to two years ago uh, before he got suspended, but he was like a little frail Randy Moss a couple years ago. Dude is jacked now, and I think he is due for a huge season after coming off that suspension. Obviously, he still has not been officially reinstated, which could put a real um, damper on things if, if that's the case. But I love Martavis Bryant this year. Do you think that's a reach and with the seventh pick in the third round? Mm, I don't know if it's a reach. I think that's kind of right where you want to get him. Um, if he falls further, you know, I could even see him going down below where like Golden Take would be taken. But I don't think that's a reach at all. So the, the pick, well, the pick I liked in the third was Travis Kelsey. He was he was my number one tight end going into this into this draft, and uh, yeah. he fell to the third. And and I was hoping he'd possibly fall to the fourth all the way, but I had the last pick in the fourth, and he was definitely not going to get there. So I was I, I'm not the type of guy to trade picks around in the draft like some of you guys do. I just, right. first of all, I just don't understand it. Uh, I get lost in figuring <laughs> out which pick I have. Um, <laughs> So I didn't exactly jump out of my chair. I was enjoying my uh, Marianne's donut too much, my coffee. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the Kelsey pick there in the third. I actually, in Dynasty, just traded a 2018 first-round pick for him along with Darren Sproles. I think Travis Kelsey is a beast. He's my number two tight end this year. Uh, so I thought that was a great pick in the third round, especially with Gronk going in the second round. So you can kind of see you know, is is what's better value, Gronk in the second round or Kelsey in the third round. And that's that, that'll be really interesting once Pat Mahomes takes over the quarterback's position in about four weeks because he looks much better than Alex Smith, which is, is not surprising. Not shocked at all. <laughs> uh, so, so I want to go back to my pick, Tom Brady, third round. I've been preaching all year, take a quarterback late, take like a Cam Newton, a Jameis Winston, a Marcus Mariota, take them the sixth, seventh, eighth round. But Tom was just staring at me with those beautiful blue eyes, and he's just saying, take me, Luke, take me. And boy, did I take him. Um, Luke, I- try my pajamas. Just try them. <laughs> try my sheets. What do you think? It, they help you recover well. Um, Tom Brady was the second quarterback taken. Aaron Rodgers actually went first round. Uh, I'm sorry, second round. Um, I don't know. I just, I just feel like Brady is 
this is obviously before the Edelman injury, which takes some wind, some of the wind out of its sails. But I just have a feeling that, you know, we saw the historic season in 2007 when Randy Moss was there. A healthy Gronk, Brandon Cooks, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola, the running backs out of the backfield. I mean, they're going to chuck the football. And I just would not be surprised if he finished with 40, 45 touchdowns this year and just has another one of those seasons where each week I'm getting 30 points from him. And that's a reason why I win a few games because of Tom Brady's performance. And I got Brandon Cooks in the second round as well. So having that stack is really nice, I think. And I don't know. I mean, did I reach for Tom Brady there? What, what would you do if you had, uh, you know, my Patriots homerism and you also saw Tom Brady sitting there third, third overall in the third round? Well, I think you're a little bit blinded by uh, your, your homerism, but I don't think it's a reach. Um, you know, I this year I was waiting on a quarterback, and I waited all the way till the eighth. But if I was in your spot, that's and Mr. Brady's looking at me at that spot, I have, might have to consider it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to regret it all too much. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the next pick, my fourth round pick, I will regret a little bit, just like you will taking Spencer Ware. But I was high on Danny Woodhead, uh, fourth round, twelfth pick in the fourth, and this is before he had a what looks like it could be a pretty serious hamstring injury. He could miss some time early. I drafted him as my number one running back. And listen, I think that if he's healthy in Baltimore where they chuck the ball, he's going to get 70, 75 catches. He's going to have a chance for goal line carries because he's been so successful at it. Um, But 32-year-old coming off a torn ACL is obviously a huge concern. But is the upside worth it there? You know, would you would you consider the upside of a top ten PPR running back in the fourth round, even though he's thirty two coming off a torn ACL in white? No, <laughs> no, I, I I'm not a Danny Woodhead guy this year. Uh, I think you you rattled off way too many cons for me to uh, to pick him. Maybe seventh round. I'm thinking. I, you know, seventh round. Se- I think wow. he's. I think he's a slip guy. I think you got to consider wow. him in the same league as as a James White or uh, or Deion Lewis. Um, yes, he's their number one tailback, but I think Terrence West uh, is going to be a guy who's going to get some of his carries. Yes, he's going to get the PPR stuff, but I- I'm not a Danny Woodhead believer this year. Seventh round. That's oh, okay. Well, I took James White late, uh, so you know we'll talk. We can talk about him later because I know again everybody wants to hear about the Patriots running backs. But um, yeah, let's keep top coming of the, into this. <laughs> top of the fifth round. I really liked your pick. I was targeting this player, tight end Greg Olson, in and out top five tight end every single year. That's what you're going to get from Olson. What was your What was your thought process going into that pick? Uh, if I couldn't get Kelsey, you better go get you know either Olson or. Jordan Reed, you know, and Jordan Reed went um, in the middle of the fourth, I believe. Yeah, in the middle mm-hmm. of the fourth. So, got to get if you, and if you don't get one of those four guys, then what's the point? You might as well just right. wait until you know you could pick somebody up way late. Um, even a waiver guy, you know, there's be guys like Cameron Bright late you could pick up and he's going to get some touches, or even take a flyer on a rookie like OJ Howard. So. It was either one of those four guys, or just move on to the next position and uh, stack up somewhere else. Well, we're, we're so another tight end uh, went this round. Kyle Rudolph went ninth in the fifth round, and I thought that was a very, very interesting pick for a few I, reasons. I uh, thought that was a high draft pick for him. Yes, number one it was super early, and number two, I'm I'm pretty sure that was uh, Dan Schreckengoss' second tight end. So he's running run the double tights because we do a wide receiver tight end flex. 
Uh, yeah, so, he had, so he has who, Gronk and Rudolph? I believe so, yeah. So, <laughs> All right. I thought that was a very, And he didn't have a starting running back, right? Uh, at that point, I, he did. He didn't have a starting wide receiver. Yes, right. He didn't have any starting <laughs> wide receiver ones. Right. So that was an interesting move, I thought. I didn't understand the, the move of taking Kyle Rudolph that early. And then two picks later, Tyler Eifert went. So... Three tight ends in the fifth round. It looked like it would have been a bit of a tight end run, uh, but the next one wasn't taken until uh, I ended up snatching Martellus Bennett in the sixth round, twelfth, uh, the twelfth pick in the sixth round, which I was I was pretty happy with that value. So it's all but, said and done. You drafted a lot of Patriots and former Patriots. Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, and I wanted the Patriots defense, but I couldn't get them. So you're really no better than Rue, you know, just taking <sighs> Browns in well, any double well, digit round. Well, yes, except for Patriots players put up fantasy points where <laughs> Browns players don't. So, you know, Correct. I mean, <laughs> um, another pick in the fifth round I just simply did not like. I understand why Rue made this pick, but actually, no, Rue didn't have this pick. I'm sorry. Um, not sure of this pick, but anyways, I I don't like Matt Ryan. I, I just do not like Matt Ryan this year. I think without Kyle Shanahan, that offense takes a huge step back. I understand they still have Julio Jones. They still have Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, their tight end, should take a step forward. But I think there's something something with that offensive coordinator that really is the reason why that offense clicked last year. And with with we saw, we saw Kyle Shanahan, who is now the head coach in San Francisco, with Brian Hoyer. Lighted up the other night. Uh, I mean, they they led two scoring drives. I think Hoyer started off nine for nine for like 150 yards, two touchdowns. I understand it's preseason, but it just goes to show you that there's something that Kyle Shanahan can do that can turn a mediocre offense into a, a great offense. Mediocre and I think running backs too. Right, like, right. They, they take his dad and he both, you know, take yes. take career backups and you know guys off the street and guys that were a little bit of a no name in college and then, man, if they can run outside zone, you can play for them. Right, right. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Carlos Hyde does because Carlos Hyde has looked pretty spry this year uh, in the preseason and he knows he's fighting for a contract. If he can stay healthy, he can be a top ten, top fifteen back. He went fourth round in our league and I think that's kind of where he's going in most drafts. But that that 49ers offense is really interesting to take a look at and it, it goes into my next pick that I really liked. Third pick in the sixth round, Pierre Garcon. Like I said, Garcon had like six catches on nine targets in a half a, half a play of football and I just got him in the sixth round of, a, of a, my other league the other night, and he is a real bet to have like 110 catches this year. I really think that he could easily see 15, 16, 17 targets a game because Shanahan, his offense is predicated on just overloading or just force-feeding him the ball or that position the ball. But who else is going to catch the ball in San Francisco? They have Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle. They just traded Vance McDonald. Yeah, Vance end, McDonald's gone. Yeah, they get nobody there. So Jeremy Curley's there, but he's a backup. I mean, Pierre Garcon, <laughs> he's not a great player. He's the pride of the Mount Union College, um, the, the Baltimore Wallace's rival back in the day. But he's not an elite talent. He's He's been a pretty solid player for the past seven years in the league, eight years in the league. But he's not a stud. But in fantasy, he's going to be you – know you know who he reminds me of? T.J. Hushmanzada. Was not a great player. Was, was in a great system, and he he put up. He benefited for he benefited from being the number two to Chad Johnson. That's for sure. Right. True. I just True. don't know but, who. I don't know who's going to be the the you know the the Robin to his Batman over in, in San Francisco. 
Right. You know, if we're relying on Jeremy Curley, um, we're in trouble. Godspeed. Godspeed. Yeah, good luck, buddy. <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin was another pick in this dra- in this round. I liked he. Has Somebody called really... him undraftable. I don't remember who that was. Yeah. I, I, oh man, who was that, Jerry? Can you remember? Can you think about that? Oh, huh. Well, we'll forget about that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was Jerry. He got drafted uh, before his quarterback did. How about that? In our... I, I just I, I like Kelvin Benjamin. He looked really good. He looks like he's healthy. He's back from that ACL injury. He's he's slimmed down a little bit. He scored two touchdowns the past two weeks. Looks like they're not going to show much with Cam Newton, but he looks like he's healthy. He's ready to roll. I like him this. I like him a lot this year, and I think that he has top twenty receiver upside. Getting him, you know, with the 70th pick is, is pretty damn good. I was Any very player- excited that he went where he did because then it didn't leave me in a situation at the end of the sixth to have to pick him <laughs> and I could get the guy I wanted for my third receiver, Deshaun yes. Jackson. Yep. Um, so I think when you get to that wide receiver three, you got to take somebody who's really good at something that's that maybe is not as good as other things. Deshaun Jackson is as good at the, at the deep ball as anybody we've ever seen. So it's fine if he's a guy who only gets like you know forty five to sixty catches, but you know like seven or nine touchdowns. Like you, that's your wide receiver three. Let's go. Right, right. So he's now in Tampa Bay. Signed a big contract to to be the number two to Mike Evans. I've been loving Hard Knocks as always. I don't care if it's the boring LA Rams. I want to watch every episode of Hard Knocks. I've been watching this year with the Bucks. And it's, it seems like him and Mike Evans are really jiving. Uh, Jameis Winston, they're getting along. I mean, it's, it looks like it's a great locker room environment. My question for you, though, is do you think that the arrival of Deshaun Jackson is going to take away from Mike Evans at all? Because Mike Evans, almost every year, it feels like led the league in targets. And last year he faded down the stretch and speaking of force fed i think he was just force fed the ball cuz they really didn't have anybody else there right. now that deshaun jackson is there sometimes it, you say hey i like it when a receiver comes in and can take some pressure off the number 1 but is that going to be the case this year like will we see a more efficient mike evans or a better mike evans cuz deshaun jackson's there i think you add him you had the success that cameron Brait had before and you know if they want to go with a um Who's their third receiver? It was a Goodwin from Penn State, the rookie. They, like they drafted he, Godwin. They drafted I'm Godwin, sorry, Godwin. But, but I, I think Adam Humphreys is probably their number three of the slot guy. So put those guys out there. You know, you can roll your coverage to try to double team Evans. You know, most plays, but are you really going to trust your corner to play one on one on the outside against Deshaun Jackson vertically? You know, for an entire game. So I think that's the chance that you take with with Evans. You know, pick your poison, and then you got a guy like Doug Martin who's going to be you know running the ball. That's a potent offense. I think Mike Evans might suffer in total targets, but at the expense of his yards and catches. That I don't know his catches production might go down a little bit, but I think he might get more red zone um, targets than ever before. Um, right. Well, so the, the the interesting thing is I'm seeing him go as early as fifth overall in the draft. Would you take Mike Evans fifth overall? Because I know I wouldn't. I mean, I'm looking at Mike Evans. Not I over, think... not over Beckham. Not not even over Jones. Uh, I couldn't take him over Julio Jones um, still. But he's he's six pick. You know, he's to me he can't. He's not better than Antonio Brown, Beckham, and Jones. So he's right there though. If I something catastrophic think... were to happen, you know, 
Antonio Brown right. falls down some stairs tomorrow. Right. That better know, not happen. He jumps up. Antonio, yeah. that better not happen. Okay. Not for you. I'm sorry, but you know what I mean. Like honestly, he's, I, I, I but he's in the conversation. He's up there. Yeah, yeah. You can you can make the argument for him. I just personally give me give me Antonio, give me Julio, give me Odell, give me AJ Green, give me Jordy Nelson. I'll probably take Lashawn McCoy. I might even take Devontae Freeman over Mike Evans. So I think Evans to me is more like a 10, 11, 12th pick. But again, you know, the great thing about the first round this year was really after, I feel like after Johnson, Bell, and Brown, it's really a toss up. You can, you can do, you can take whoever you want and you can justify it. It's kind of like the rookie running backs this year in rookie drafts or, or Corey Davis, you know. The top five picks were the top five picks, and shake it out however way you want. And that's what makes fantasy football exciting. That's what I love about it. Do I hear Mark Sussman? Mark. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Are you potting while driving? I'm driving. All we need is some takes. That's it. So perfect timing because we're talking. We're literally going to talk seventh round, and that this is the infamous Julius Thomas. The infamous pick. So, seventh round. So it's not looking, a very good pick looking back, but guess what? If Julius Thomas catches seventy balls, like I think he will, and throws in six touchdowns, y'all won't be talking shit. No all right, more. all right. We'll, we'll 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 get to that. I mean, I'll still talk shit because of a terrible pick. We'll get to that. So, all right. Um, calling in from the hotline, we are joined by Mark Zustin. As we were about to talk about a very controversial round, Jerry, in our fantasy draft this year. Because you took Kareem Hunt, which ended up being a great pick. I took Devontae Parker, which, as my third wide receiver, I think will end up working out for me in the end. But Mark took tight end Julius Thomas of the Miami Dolphins, which, yeah, he's due. He could have a pretty good season in Adam Gase's offense. But in the seventh round, like, Mark... Who the hell was going to take Julius Thomas before the before the tenth round, eleventh round? Why did you take him in the seventh round? Julius called me up about two weeks later, <laughs> talking all this shit about take me player. So I took him, just like all these other players in the seventh round, with a Polaroid camera. Hey, 70, 70 catches, six touchdowns. I'm ahead of the curve. Call me an outlier. I'm also going to make all you people money on Monday night in a couple weeks, so you can thank me there. No, I get that, but from a value standpoint, do you really think that somebody's going to snipe you? You're worried about this value chart. You thought somebody's going to snipe you? Players that are going to get me in games in the playoffs. I just play. I'm in the playoffs. I'll see you in the playoffs. You're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You'll make. You'll make playoffs. We, your team's going to start off 0-4. I'll bet you 50. Take some I'm move. in the playoffs. How about this? I'll bet you 20, okay? Oh, that... you knock it down. Julius Thomas in the seventh. I'll go 50 on it. Sean, tell him to go. Take it. Sean ain't here. Sean, Jerry's here, but Sean ain't here. Ooh. Ooh. Sean's getting ready for I like that. I'm the only Dustin on, on yes. this show. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we have to figure out a good bet for this. I, I think 70 catches. I'll do the let's do the over under on on 60 catches. 60 catches for Julius Thomas over under. I'm going to take the under. I don't want to do catches. I want to do me in the playoffs. Julius Thomas is a part of my team. I'm a <laughs> teammate. I'm going to guess. I'm going to bet that Mark doesn't start him sometime this year when he, even when he's not on bye. How about that? I hope, guys. I'll be honest with you. A little side story, really quick, on the Never Any Glory podcast because that's what we do. Uh, I hope my car gets home right now 
If you're hearing sputtering in the back, my check engine light is on and off. I got 193,000 on this 2002 Ford Runner. Uh, I hope it makes it home. I hope it doesn't sputter like Julius Thomas in week 10. Ooh, I went back to it. So we lost Mark. Uh, he's probably waiting on a tow truck right now on the side of the turnpike. Uh, as you heard, his forerunner or whatever he drives has 190. The gold forerunner. It's, uh, <laughs> it's from the year we graduated from high school. <laughs> so it's struggling. Um, so anyways, I, to go back to Julius Thomas, I get it. I understand he, he's a solid player in a good offense if he stays healthy. Uh, he's had success with Adam Gase before, the head coach there. Jake Cutler is going to target him often. I just still say, why the hell are you taking him in the seventh round? It's, it's I, mind-boggling how bad value that was. Uh, but a guy who was a pretty good seventh-round pick and that Sean took actually as a second quarterback more because he was just staring at this value was Andrew Luck. It's very hard to pass on Andrew Luck at the end of the seventh round. He got drafted with almost, with the – do the math in your head, Luke – 100th and something pick, which is seems like highway robbery because Andrew Luck, when healthy, can be a top-five quarterback. So – Jerry, do you see the value in taking a second quarterback like Andrew Luck that late who has injury question marks surrounding him? Yes, because as your number two guy, like A, you're taking him away from somebody who might be needing him as their number one. And B, you know, injuries happen all the time. And when you have a guy like Russ Wilson, uh, I believe it was Sean's first pick, right? Yeah, Russ Wilson. Yep. So, I mean, he's one hit away from from catastrophic failure for the season. And then if you don't have that backup guy – you're, you're kind of screwed. Like me, I took Matt Stafford in the eighth, and I don't have a backup quarterback right now. I'm still uh, d- deciding on, on what stiff I want to play for one week. Yeah. Um, but with hopefully with, one week. But with these two guys back to back rounds, you know, Shrek did this last year, and we gave him so much crap because no, 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 Shrek. Took what was the three difference? That's right, three, he had three quarterbacks. quarterbacks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like he had Big Ben as one, and he had Romo think, and Romo. Stafford. I think. So. Yeah. Three starters. I think- I think the difference here is again, it just it comes down to value. And if Andrew Luck turns himself into a top five quarterback, then Sean might be able to spin him for a solid running back, solid wide receiver. If he doesn't, it's not the biggest, um, I guess, the biggest risk by taking him that late. In my other draft, I took Andrew Luck in the eleventh round. Uh, what was it? Six six pick in the eleventh round. He went one hundred and twenty sixth. Wow, which I think is late. fantastic value. I already had Cam Newton. Uh, but at that point with Andrew Luck, if you already have your quarterback, you already have your starting lineup, I don't see the issue with, with taking him late if he's there because the upside is well worth it. Imagine imagine grabbing a top five player of that position after all your starters are gone at the tail end of a draft. I, I think it was a pretty solid strategy, and it'll be interesting to see how it works out for him. Um, but as we wrap up this episode, Jerry, I just kind of want to give the people some late round targets they can look at uh, at the end of their draft. So taking the you know ninth round and on, we, we pick 16 rounds. Who are some of your favorite late round picks from uh, our draft? Um, a guy I liked, I'm going to go all the way down to the 15th round. A, guy, a tight end I like is a rookie is I like Ingram. Um, he slipped all the way down to 15th round. Did he go after Njoku? I'm trying to remember if Rue took Njoku. He's been known to take whatever Browns <laughs> player he could find late. But um, I think he, he did. Njoku went 12th round. And it was Njoku not to went 12th round. No, you're right. Um, of the, I can't believe Njoku went ahead of O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram, but I think Evan Ingram might end up being the, the highest um, fantasy point winner of those guys. Um, 
he needs to learn a little bit more of the NFL game. I was watching him play the other day, but he's got some raw talent that's special. Um, yeah. he, he doesn't have the leaping ability in Joko does, but he does have some speed and some power that I think uh, will help him out this year. Um, and I, li- we- I liked I so I'm not a proponent of rookie tight ends being valuable at all in their yeah, first you, year because made that known. we haven't seen it. But Ingram, he's more he's not a slot guy, but he's more of a move tight end. Uh, they're not going to rely on him for blocking. I mean, he's like only like 6'3", 230 or something, or 6'5", 230. So yeah. he's not going to be a blocker. He's a receiver. He's a Kelvin Benjamin type. So I, I agree with you. I think that was a great pick in the 15th round, second to last round. I think he could be, you know, he could buck the trend of a rookie tight end struggling. Another guy in the 15th was John Ross. I mean, why not? Yeah. He's a, yeah, Sha- why not? He's a Sean Jackson guy at that point. You're not hurting anything he- by adding him to, you know, he's your wide receiver five or six at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's a good late pick. He he's missed time with injuries, and he has he has also been injury prone throughout his whole career. But again, or his college career. But again, fifteenth round, pretty good value. The number two receiver potentially, a uh, straight line runner, fastest guy to ever run the forty. You're right. He could be a very very solid. Pick what about um, the pick that I think it was Joe took um, this guy in the eleventh round it was Anquan Bolden. You know, all of us <laughs> were kind of just moving past it. Now, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Another. Uh, who wants to really take a Buffalo Bills wide receiver? I mean, I took Zay Jones in the tenth, but right. Well, took, at the time it seemed at the time it seemed like a pretty good pick. Yeah, okay, until you're you know, like, okay, time. not bad, not bad. And then all of a sudden, yeah, two he days dies. later, done. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a kick to the nuts there, but uh, it, it, you know it happens. I think he was, you know, I think he's being overhyped a little bit. The guy's like 36, 35 years old, I think, and everybody thought he's going to come in and be an eighty catch receiver with the Bills, which just seemed like a pipe dream. But in the eleventh round at the time, it seemed like a good, good idea. But a pick I liked in the eleventh round is Rex Burkhead. He's kind of looks like he might be the most talented running back on the Patriots roster. Tough to really nail down what you can get from the Patriots running backs, but again, in the eleventh round, I think that's a pretty solid pickup. Um, but I think somebody who's criminally underdrafted this year, and I totally understand why, is former Ohio State Buckeye Ted Ginn. He went in the 10th round. He's now lining up as the number two wide receiver uh, next to Michael Thomas in New Orleans. It's, it, Willie Sneed is playing the third wide receiver right now, and Sneed probably plays a little bit better out of the slot. But if if Ted Ginn can be a serviceable fantasy wide receiver with Cam Newton throwing him the ball, I see no reason why he can't be a weekly starter for you. I understand he has a case of the drops. He's almost every other pass that goes his way, but he still has game-breaking speed. Drew Brees chucks the ball. They need a deep threat. Ted Ginn, I feel like, is perfect in New Orleans. Is that a good fit, or am I just crazy? No, I think it's a great fit. He's kind of doing exactly what, um, um, what's his name, left for New England did. Um, Left for New England. What's his name? Left from New Orleans, went to New England. Dante Stallworth? No, not Dante Stallworth. Oh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Thank you, Brandon yeah. Cooks. Yes, yeah. Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Building deep teams. threat. Um, he's you know he's a little bit later in his career, but he still does the things like Deshaun Jackson does. You're right. No, he's a deep threat guy. I think it's a fantastic pick. And and and, and the last guy I want to talk about. It'll be really interesting. This is a very deep sleeper. It's Paul Richardson. Went 15th round. Jermaine Curse just got released by Schefter that Jermaine Curse is on the trade block. If he's on the trade block, that opens up a spot for Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett to kind of be that number two wide receiver in Seattle uh, to play behind Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham just for touches. four guys that all look exactly the same. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, again, late in the, in the draft, 15th round, 
that's a solid pick as a depth receiver. I mean, yeah, you might be able to find a guy that can put up similar numbers on the waiver wire, but uh, th- that's kind of what you expect from the fifteenth, sixteenth round. So, um, Jer, how many more? How many more fancy drafts you got left until uh, until you're done? I have one possible one. We're still trying to get together a few guys. We had some guys drop out. We do one at work. Um, it's just a little bit harder to get everybody together. So people moved on with, with uh, fantasy in their lives because they've never made the playoffs. And I usually, you know, this is the league that I always did rather well in. I won it a couple times. It was kind of like my <laughs> Canadian girlfriend in the summer, you know, um, that none of you guys actually believed in, but it helped pay for uh, being in this league. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I got one more tomorrow, and then I got another one uh, next week. So God bless uh, your wife. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I had I had one on Monday night, and you know this is this is the time of year where I shine. I have people telling me they want me to draft for him. Sean Z wanted me to draft for him, but unfortunately, uh, it, it uh, was a conflict with with one of my other drafts. So I'm not fantasy football drafts are too much fun for me. I, I really actually I was actually moving with my buddy the other day and I was doing his draft for him on his phone while we were moving couches. So I'm a degenerate like Superman. Yes. Yeah, a CrossFit man, actually CrossFit. Man. <laughs> uh, anyways, Jer, I wish you the best of luck. If that uh, league comes into fruition next week and you get that draft done, but ladies and gents, follow us on Twitter at glory podcast. Uh, I've been trolling Twitter, finding people asking for fantasy football advice. I've been giving the fantasy football advice, so if you have any questions for us, check us out on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud. Search for us, subscribe, Never Ending Glory Podcast, and uh, reach out to us at this time of the year at negpodcast at gmail.com. We are happy to answer any question you might have. As we get ready for the regular season, we're going to go back to our, our, our regular shtick where that will be this guy sucks, talking about point pounders, talking about starter sit questions from the week before. Or, 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 we'll get our or, picks in. We'll get all we'll sorts listen. of stuff going on. we got a big preview pod that we still need to do. Um, exactly, get that lined yes. up. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to do that with Sean. And, uh, I think he's going to España for his, for his uh, honeymoon. So it'll be interesting how we get that. Done, I think he's going to leave his picks before he has his wedding. Yeah, but yeah shout uh, out to Sean man. and Michelle yeah. and their uh, upcoming wedding coming up. Right. The nuptials coming up on Friday. So we wish them the best as they uh, begin their lives as Mr. and Mrs. Old Fecal, right? That's his last I think, name now? Yeah, I think that you're yeah. going to literally That's what say, we now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. Old Feet. <laughs> All right. So, hey, Jerry, we will talk next week. But, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy week four of the preseason and get ready for the regular season. We're less, we're about a week away. A week away for real NFL football. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, that's Can't nice. wait. Nice. <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye.